Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey, this is Turner Roland with Waypoint TV, and you're listening to the Impact Outdoors podcast. Um, but it was a great adventure. We ran into uh, sow and cubs, at, sow and two cubs, about 30 yards, and then the next day, we ran into a big boar at about 100 yards. So it was, yeah, it was funny. The boar came out. I mean, sound cubs. I was like, oh, there's sound cubs. But uh, the boar, we were walking along in the afternoon through an aspen grove. And right past the aspen grove was like a meadow and then like real thick trees. And there, where we were hunting, uh, BLM leases out and the forest service leases out the land cattle and so cattle farmers like have cows and their domestic cows like everywhere where you come like in the mountain like five miles back and so this boar walks out and um i was like man that's a weird looking cow <laughs> and i just kept on walking towards it for like 10 seconds and my brother was like that's a bear and then we like stood up and raised our bow up and hands up and um Hey everybody, welcome back. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Impact Outdoors Podcast. On this week's episode, we're having the last podcast recorded at the 2023 Huntfish Podcast Summit up at the Warren Ranch and excited to have Turner Rowland joining us again and uh, had a great conversation um, talking a lot about what Waypoint TV has been doing the past year and how they're growing um, the podcast network and the streaming side of things and some really cool innovative stuff they've got going on. And we talked about some pretty incredible bass fishing we had this year at the summit and uh, what that was like, along with some uh, great stories from the from the field during Turner's hunting season this past year and, and uh, a lot of cool stuff. So really think you'll enjoy this one um, and uh, appreciate you checking out all the episodes we've had from the podcast summit this year. Can't wait. We're already working on our lineup for next year and it's going to be incredible. So let's get right to it with this week's episode with Turner Rowland. 
This episode was recorded live at the 2023 Hunt Fish Podcast Summit. Podcasters and guests from across the country come together to talk about their passions for hunting, fishing, and conservation. This year's summit is brought to you by Waypoint TV, Ron Hoover Marine of Galveston, Spot Stalker Guide Service, the Wild Sheep Foundation, Galveston Fishing Company, Captain Experiences, and Badger Claw Outfitters. summit again i got uh, i got my buddy turner from waypoint <laughs> tv here with me and uh how's it been going man man it's been going great we've uh you know bozeman's been great and uh we've come down here for some for uh, a little unexpected weather but it sure has uh treated brought the fishing it with you. pretty well yeah i brought the cold weather with me <laughs> yeah i showed up and it was really nice and then all of a sudden when i showed up it uh got real windy and cold <laughs> yeah, well, I will say that y'all have, um, I'm very jealous of everybody because everybody's been going down there catching all these giant bass, and um, I don't know, are they on beds right now down there? I mean, it seems like some of them probably are. I think some of them are, yeah. but they're, I haven't seen any, like, stick to their bed, and then, like, when you catch them, they go right back to it, Yeah. you know, sort of deal. Hmm. So, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I don't know anything about bass fishing. Well, I know how to fish a worm. You've caught some big ones. You just caught another big one a while ago. <laughs> yeah. Probably the biggest one of the whole trip for anybody so far. So, Biologist um, verified. Yeah. <laughs> we had Stephen right Barton look at pounds. it. So, yeah. well, this has been cool, man. Um, thank you for coming down. I want to thank Waypoint for sponsoring this event again this year. It's been a great yeah. turnout. And um, love uh, love having you down here, man. You've got to come every year. I know. And, uh, <laughs> um, so it's been cool. And we've got a whole new group of people here this year um, that we've been interviewing. And um, I think we're going to break a break a new record and get over 50 episodes out of this weekend, which is phenomenal. That's awesome. Um, we got. I mean, we're sitting here recording inside the Warren Ranch in the lodge and got a bighorn, Texas bighorn ram skull sitting over here that uh, – Chester got um, from TPWD is for uh, for outreach stuff, but you know, just looking at these animals, they're freaking huge, man! Like you don't realize how big those things are. The bighorns? <laughs> yeah, I mean that thing's massive. That's a really old one. There's one, two, three, four, five, six. That's at least eight years old. Yeah, that's 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 an impressive animal. So um, I'm infatuated with sheep. They're my favorite. That's my that's my like life lifetime hunting goal is a uh, sheep with a bow. Yeah, that'd be uh, that'd be pretty badass. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I want to do it so bad. I just need to save up about sixty grand. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or get really lucky. Yeah, well, you might get really lucky. You never know. So. I fly every year. I think you need about you know for a good chance to draw, you probably need about twenty twenty five points. Mm-hmm which is 25 years of putting in before you draw. So hopefully yep. if I do that, my knees will still cooperate. Right. Yeah, that's got to be one of the, um, I don't want to say elusive, but hard to get two species to actually harvest one mm-hmm. um, in close range for sure. I mean, um, I, I don't, you know, I've obviously never hunted them Um but talking with, you know, all the people we've had here the last couple of years, you know, so much talk about sheep and stuff and the um, the hunts just sound like, I mean, life-changing events almost, just what mm-hmm. can happen on some of these hunts up on the mountains. 
So yeah, you know, we're we're lucky in Montana. We we have the opportunity to hunt sheep. Anyone can go to Montana and hunt sheep. It's called an unlimited district, which you probably talked to Gray about. Yeah. But um there are five of them in Montana. Uh three of them are centered around Yellowstone and then two of them are up north. And uh I've heard it's very difficult. Gray mm-hmm. killed an unlimited ram, but like killing an unlimited bighorn would be a major accomplishment mm-hmm. with just a rifle because they're hard to find. Like I've been in those unlimited districts, just kind of like backpacking and looking around. I haven't seen anything. Yeah, man, right place, right time. Right a little place, luck right on your time. side. Yeah. So yeah. it's like catching a nine-pound bass twenty minutes ago. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'd 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 put my luck against the bass. <laughs> <laughs> versus oh my the gosh. sheep. We gotta, you got to show me exactly where you were so I can go try to trick that one back again tomorrow. The so. back end by the feeder creek. Yeah. It's yeah. A, a ranch ferry's been over there just slaying yeah. them all day yesterday and, yeah. and stuff. And hopefully we get out this evening. But um, so um, what's been going on with Waypoint this year? Um, I know, I mean, just continuing to grow. I mean, mm-hmm. it's been pretty cool to see all the stuff y'all have done. Yeah, so uh, some exciting news since we last did a podcast. Uh, streaming actually outperformed cable for the first time in history in wow. this July of 2022, which is uh, we've kind of been waiting a long time for that. It's, the, the data skews that way, you know, for mm-hmm. a while. Um, cable continues to go down. Streaming continues to go up. But, you know, kind of like our sales pitch or whatever is like, oh, we're the future. We're the future. And how future's here yeah future's here yeah <laughs> so it's really cool man and uh, we've experienced exponential growth because of that um more people are tuning in to our linear channels or our fast channels available mm-hmm. on like samsung tv plus and pluto and you know the cool thing about those is that if you have a samsung tv an lg tv or a vizio tv you've already got waypoint like installed you just go to the their linear channels like samsung tv plus and uh, i think our I should verify this because I keep on saying 1164 <laughs> is Samsung TV Plus, but I have no <laughs> earthly idea. Um, let's let me just pull this up real quick so I can actually tell you what channel <laughs> we are. Um, but yeah, you can you can watch on our um, on our website <clears throat> on our OTT app. So downloading it on the smart TV. Yep. 1184. I was pretty close. 1184, folks. Samsung TV Plus. Um, on our website, OTT app, or all of our available linear channels. Yep. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I have crossed over to the TV side this past year and got yeah. to film an episode of The Captain's Log with our good buddy Jonathan <laughs> Moss over in Florida. Yeah. I coaxed him over to Texas. And uh, last, I don't know, we filmed in August, I believe, and uh, I think that episode aired in October. And um, it's really cool to see the magic of um, how this stuff works, you know, because from from my vantage point, it's awesome to be able to be on a show. Um, But, you know, from a business standpoint, that's what you live for is more, Mm -hmm. more, you know advertising and stuff like that and i immediately start getting calls from people wanting to go to go out just well, as after, show episode. after uh you guys messed up the triple tail like you did well, i imagine we you were, would get um, some inquiries we, we um <laughs> we definitely had a uh, fantastic day on the water yeah um i think we caught like 18 triple tail that day God bless. just all like under buoys or yeah yeah, yeah just out in the middle of the bay with just crabs structure uh we were throwing 
we threw some doa shrimp and and live shrimp so nice. um but uh it was a it was an impressive day i mean it got to the point where um jack the the head videographer was like okay we we got enough footage of triple tails <laughs> like you want to go try something else it's like not really it's like i'll stay here all day <laughs> not really but for the show's sake i've already got i had a I had a plan for that day, and you know as well as I do, when you do anything with a camera, nothing ever works according to plan. Yeah. But the Battleship Texas was getting moved from up in Houston, where it's been moored for a long time, 50 years or more, um, was getting moved to Galveston for repair. And so we kind of positioned ourselves at the end of the day to be right there when it come into Galveston with Mm. the fleet of ships around it and everything, and... Right as the ship came by, we caught um, our biggest redfish of the day on camera nice. with the ship in the background coming nice. in. It was pretty. It was pretty was cool. it being towed or? Did yeah, yeah, it was okay. being towed. I was about to say if it still works. Um, yeah, and that that was is cool because that ship was uh, one of the very few ships that served in both world wars for the United States, and wow. um, um, so they're um, getting it. Um, the whole fix instead of it was leaking a lot and uh oh. it's part of one of our state historical sites so um it'd be cool to see that back back in action for the public to go see and uh and it was a nice backdrop to end the show on that day man i love those uh monuments and stuff we uh i've spent a little bit of time in pearl harbor going to uh the you know everything from the submarine to the aircraft carrier i can't remember exactly what which one mm-hmm. um but it was in the pacific theater obviously um I just I love all that military history and everything. Yep. Um, just seeing those battleships and the way those guys like lived and aircraft carriers and how everything functioned and their living quarters and their eating quarters and their battle mm-hmm. stations and general quarters. It, it, it's amazing. I mean, yep. it, it like I just love this. I'm I'm a history nerd. Me too. Well. Um, I love all that stuff and and uh, man, I like got so into like World War Two history oh, growing really? up, you know and. I, I was at the point where I was studying this stuff, and then I was getting to go to like to Germany a lot during that time, yeah. um, and uh, for exchanges and stuff. And uh, it was cool because you learn about school, and I'm going over there and like seeing a lot of these places, and and um, um, you just appreciate it more. Mm. Being able to, like you say, you can go to Pearl Harbor and see this. I mean, you hear about the stuff, but if you don't go, you're never gonna really appreciate it. Arizona, these people USS Arizona. Yep. That's what it is. Yeah. Yep. So. Um, that's cool, man. So, well, um, how's the uh, how's the podcasting side of Waypoint been? I mean, it seems Good. like we're just the network's growing, and yeah. there's so much awesome content on there. Yeah, man, we brought on a few uh, really exciting shows. Um, you know, Working Class Bowhunter. We've been working really close with those guys. They have a, just a tremendous audience and reach, and really high engagement, and mm-hmm. and. And, um, you know, just continuing relationships with, with podcasters, um, like, uh, Dan Staten and I, um, we were planning on going to uh total archery challenge in big sky. And then, you know, I'm getting married in June. Yeah. Um, and we'll be back like, congrats by the way. Uh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I'm a very lucky man. Um, yeah, I, I've got a beautiful fiance, Malin, um, who's very supportive and is, uh, way smarter than me <laughs> and um she she's awesome she she is a uh, a brilliant um brilliant girl who uh is is just very supportive and kind and loving um and, and she's just smart as shit man she's a uh, solar estimator for british petroleum 
um, which blows my mind because she's like negotiating all these contracts with overseas teams <laughs> and everything. And I'm over here like, you know, dicking around <laughs> with hunting podcasts. <laughs> she's like changing the world and I'm just <laughs> yeah out here vicariously living through these podcasts. <laughs> but yeah, so cool. we'll, be, we'll be back. And um, we're getting married at her farm, so there's a lot of setup that needs to do she's got an awesome family farm um on lookout mountain in georgia and we're getting married there um just like her sister did um and just like she's always wanted to yeah and so you know the plan is uh in the long term to move up there you know and then Mm -hmm. to to like build a house up there move into her parents house if they decide to downgrade um and the, and it, it'll be really special because we'll always have that place where we got married, and and mm-hmm. one day we can take our kids there. And if our kids want to get married there, like we tossed around the idea of a destination wedding, you know. Yeah. But we decided on that because it, it would be like that 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 moment, you know. Every, every time you go back to the barn, or the re- the reception's going to be at the barn. We're getting married in this big, beautiful hayfield, um, and and that'll be really special, you know. We're we're excited, but there's a lot of work that needs to be done like landscaping wise and planning wise. And we're just ready to get married and go on our honeymoon and, you know, be done with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's always a lot of planning with those things. So, yeah. Um, but y'all, y'all, y'all will have a great day. I'm sure. And, and, uh, I already talked about where y'all are going for your honeymoon. So that's going to be awesome. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I, I really want to, um, you know, I think that there's a lot of, we're going to Italy, and I think there's a lot of World War II history around Milan um, in the mountains. But I'm not sure if they're – we're going to Rome. Um, well, didn't Hitler march on Rome? Or is that – or was that Paris? Paris, I believe. Paris, okay. Yeah. Um, we're going to Rome, Naples, and Florence. And so I'll, I'll have to look and see if they're – you know, what kind of history there is. Well, Obviously, there's, be there's something art. from over there, yeah. You know, um, but I would love to see the Colosseum. That's like yeah. – my top one um, and kind of understand because I know it's like very intricate in the way that they had, you know, basically elevators to bring like the lions up and the gladiators up. And the, it was just a feat of engineering for the time. It was like the most advanced engineering, you know, building at the time. Um, So I'm excited to see that and just uh, finally get done with wedding planning and relax. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that'll be awesome, man. So, um, so how was your, um, how was your hunting season this past year? Did you get to do a lot? I got to do a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I'm luckily, you know, living in Bozeman, there's just really endless opportunities to go out on the weekend. Um, so we did two elk hunts this year. We did a public land hunt and a private land hunt on our lease, mm-hmm. um, both in Montana. And uh, the public land hunt was an adventure. Um, we, you know, around southwest Montana, we killed a bull um, the previous year there. Um, with archery and uh, we went back and everything was different the elk were in different locations there were more people the weather was different the the rut was different you know just everything (laughs) kind of changing up on you Mm -hmm. Um, and we ended up getting into them Um, we call one day we called in like three bulls Um, we saw bulls fighting we heard a ton of bugles we got into them called um, you know one bull in that we probably could have killed, but just was quartering two a little bit. And um, we didn't end up harvesting one, um, but it was a great adventure. We ran into uh, sow and cubs 
saw two cubs about 30 yards. And then the next day, we ran into a big boar at about 100 yards. Oof. So it was, yeah, it was funny. The boar came out. I mean, sound cubs. I was like, oh, there's sound cubs. But uh, the boar, we were walking along in the afternoon through Aspen Grove. And right past the Aspen Grove was like a meadow and then like real thick trees. And there, where we were hunting, um, BLM leases out and the Forest Service leases out the land cattle. And so cattle farmers like have cows and they're domestic cows like everywhere where you're hunting, like in the mountains, like five miles back. And so this boar walks out, and um, I was like, man, that's a weird-looking cow. (laughs) (laughs) And I just kept on walking towards it for, like, ten seconds. And my brother was like, that's a bear. And then we, like, stood up and raised our bow up and hands up, and um, he just kind of saw us and went the other way. But um, quite an adventure. The, uh, the The private land was probably the best elk hunting I've ever seen. But it just never, we just never really got in a situation that was favorable for killing one. We got in a lot of situations that were really awesome for just kind of sitting back and, and watching them and, and, um, listening to them. I mean, they're going crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Um, but, Man, you I'd know, love to experience that someday. It's cool. <clears throat> it's cool. Yeah. I want to go, I want to take my dad. Uh, and my brother on a rifle hunt, though, so we could actually, you know, like on a ranch rifle hunt, because mm-hmm. a lot of those ranch rifle hunts are not super challenging, and you end up, like, with a pretty high success rate. Mm-hmm. So just getting a bull on the ground, those guys. Because I killed a bull with my dad, but I want to kill a bull with my dad and my brother. Yeah, that'd be there. cool. Yeah. I'd like to go to New Mexico. Me too. I've got some friends that have done really well over there, drawing and um, going, mm-hmm. going to hunt over there and having pretty high success rate, and... I really just want to go and experience it, even if it's just if I don't shoot anything for a year or two, it'd be fun just to go and kind of get get used to that environment and mm-hmm. and the hunting and stuff, and then maybe one day get lucky enough to take one home. So yeah, but yeah, New Mexico. Um, buy another freezer, but <coughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're big. We uh, I don't know how big my freezer is, maybe like a hundred gallons or hundred fifty gallons or something like that, but uh, it filled it basically to the brim Mm -hmm. um and then that same year we stacked we had to eat real quick because we stacked a big pronghorn and a whitetail i remember yeah i remember you said yeah Yeah. we have too much meat (laughs) (laughs) yeah we ended up having to give some away but um we love eating elk it's probably my favorite meat um and then i actually just had the opportunity to eat some moose which is another dream hunt of mine and um i might i would say it's about equal with Elk, it was like very mild, very good tasting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <clears throat> those things are monstrous, man. I've seen a few moose out in the wild. Um, I got to see my first moose I ever seen was in Sweden. Oh, and, wow. And uh, we were over there fishing. It was when I was an exchange student. We uh-huh. got to go, while I was on vacation in Germany, we got to go to a vacation in Sweden for a week and go fishing. <laughs> and uh, I remember one day we was just driving down the road and we passed the opening. And I looked and there was a um, uh, a moose and her calves standing there, and I was like, "Back up the car!" <laughs> so we backed up and took s- took some pictures of them and stuff, and uh, and uh, that was cool. And then I think we were in we were in Washington State and seen one mm. um, one day just driving driving around, and I just yeah. remember seeing that that wobbly kneed animal 
we must have scared the crap out of it because we come around a corner and he was down the side of the road and just took off running and uh it's pretty uh, pretty goofy looking when he was trying to get away from us. <laughs> yeah. But, but um, some of the videos I've seen of the things, man, you do not want to come in, come into those guys and not be ready for it. No, yeah. Moose are scary, man. I mean, I've, I've gotten into a couple situations um, with cow moose. I've never run into a bull and, like, it been an issue. But the cows are pretty aggressive. And what's crazy is that um, in the continental United States, there's only one subspecies of moose, the Shirus moose. And they're the smallest. And then you go to a Canadian moose, which is bigger. And then you go to the Alaskan moose, which is like, mm-hmm. you know, 50% bigger than the Shirus yeah. moose. Yeah. That's crazy. I don't yeah. know. What, I, wonder what, I wonder what species they have in Sweden. i have to look that up. Yeah, I don't know. And see what subspecies that is. Um, yeah, but, I mean, it's they were pretty big, north. Because they had, they had all these... Um, cars that have been that hit moose on the highways <laughs> yeah. like as evidence like slow down oh, when wow. you're driving in areas because <laughs> there could be one standing in the road and if you hit it it's not going to be good yeah it's <laughs> funny because like i never really think of europe as having like an abundant wildlife population you know like i know they have um what was that deer that you had up uh <sighs> so we were we hunted uh roa bucks yeah and yeah. um they have, they have a lot of introduced species like here. So they have stag and and other things that mm-hmm. were brought in um, that have kind of taken over out in the wild. And they've got those huge boars, with the Russian, oh, the Russian strain boars, boars yeah. everywhere. Yeah. And and uh, my first encounter, my first and only encounter with them, man, was like one of the first times we ever went hunting over there. And we were sitting in a blind and waiting. We'd seen a fox or something, and all of a sudden, and we're in like a this awesome german blind up in the in the spruce forests in yeah. the central hearts mountains and this whole blind and we're probably up 15 20 feet up there it's huge it's way up there which was kind of freaking me out a little bit um cause like are you sure that's stable enough up there? <laughs> and we go up there and then the whole thing just starts moving oh no and we're like what in the world and uh, we looked down between our feet and you could kind of see through the floor down there and there was like eight hogs down there like just rubbing up against the posts, oh <laughs> like scratching themselves, and uh, they never would come out in front of us so he could get a shot on one. But uh, man, they were massive. I mean, they look like these three, four hundred pounds. Yeah, so a big one here is like two hundred, yeah. but a big one's there like four or five. Yeah, three, yeah. three or four. Yeah, I'm glad we were up in the air. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, and aren't those more aggressive? Than I, the ones here? I would think so. Yeah. 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 Most of the ones here, they see you and they're gone. Uh-huh. Um, I've never been actually charged by a hog here. I've I've had I've had one close encounter where we had a sounder that we didn't know was there, and we started hearing a noise as we got closer. We were walking across the dam of a pond, and they were they were bedded down in a cedar tree, mm. and they they finally heard us and come all running out at once. And there was like eleven or twelve <laughs> of them, and they just ended up coming the same direction as we were, trying to get away, and <laughs> all dove off behind the behind the dam and stuff but uh that was a little intense yeah but they weren't actively trying to hurt us you know yeah. so yeah but mm. it's interesting man the, the wildlife encounters uh especially around here with all the introduced species you know i mean i didn't know there were so many mountain lions here and ocelots I, I, there aren't a lot of ocelots but i didn't know that they were yeah, still we were present talking about that the other night yep. yeah so 
Yeah, and uh, I think we were talking about this on a few episodes today. We've been talking about just how technology has advanced so far now that we're able to learn so much stuff about species that we had no idea about. You know, we've been mm-hmm. talking about <clears throat> the applications of forward-facing sonar for all these giant <clears throat> 13, 14, 15, 16-pound bass that are being caught now using this technology. Crappie fishing, I mean, it's just insane. In the, yeah, like the live scope then, stuff. Yeah, and then yeah. Um, the use of these camera traps and stuff. We was talking about like what Ben Masters was using on some of his video um, footage they've been collecting down in South Texas on some private land where there's these little tiny pockets of ocelots living. Mm. And, like, nobody's really ever been able to get much data on them. And they just kind of stumbled in and, and knew they were in the area, um, but got set up in the right spot and captured all this footage. And there's been tons of work coming out, people, like, interested in, in trying to help these things out. And what do we got to do to save them? You know, because yeah. it could be... It's all on private land, so like one landowner could change his conservation strategy on his ranch, and mm. their habitat could be gone, you know, tomorrow. Yeah, that's the approach so. that um, the Nature Conservancy takes out west, because you know, at least in Montana, it's like seven. There's like seventy percent of the elk population is on private land, mm-hmm. right? And so, I mean, it's great to like manage public lands, and, and that's needed. But what it's really needed is managing private lands and so they take the approach of like literally buying land and then managing it for elk and then selling it yeah to another landowner yeah yeah it's you never know what could happen so i mean it's uh it's crazy but i mean it's it's been cool too because i mean just using um a lot of the newer newer methods and stuff just finding out so much new information and and bettering the ways we've been doing conservation mm. and habitat management and stuff, and and um, you got to you got to experience a little bit of uh, what we've been trying to manage on our deer lease this oh, week. Yeah. You got to yeah. go spend a, a day over there with me before the summit started this week. What did you think of that? Man, I thought it was cool. Um, I mean, I've never been to like a, a lease like that in Texas. Um, the terrain was really interesting. Um, it, it was greener. really green like i didn't even recognize it yeah so green but what struck me as interesting was that everything looks the same you know like i think i told you i was like man getting lost out here would be so (laughs) easy i mean you 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 knew like the landmarks you're like okay that rock is you know we parked behind that rock or whatever and uh but i was turned around like everything looked the same Mm -hmm. to me i mean it was just like cedar mesquite and maybe some oak trees and uh i mean i don't know every every time i go someplace new i always think about like how it was settled and everything and like the, how the indians navigated through the terrain yeah and it would have been hard everything sticks you out there yeah in that part of the hill country like there's nothing that you can really pick up that won't poke you or prod you or hurt you or something yeah so yeah thinking about hundreds of years ago <laughs> trying to survive in that stuff yeah and the water Ooh. too like where where do you think they got yeah water? we do not have a lot of water i mean the aquifer is there and and is fairly sustainable but it's mm-hmm. underground yeah. you know and, and if the springs aren't running or if, you know i mean i don't know what the drought situation was 200 years ago there but i mean you've seen it like all our creeks stay dry most of the year 
Yeah. You know, they might have water in them two, three months out of the year. That's yeah, that's it. really interesting. Just driving around Texas, you know, you see, like, creeks that are named. And I, every time I see a creek, I, like, peek over there and yeah. look, and all of them were dry. Yeah. It's like, that's interesting. That's interesting. Because usually in Montana, I mean, it has obviously a lot more water than, than Texas, but usually if a creek's dry... They don't usually name it, or if it goes dry. Yeah, you know? well, it could historically have been holding water for mm. a long time, and, and um, you know, there's just, just like a lot of places, um, water rights are such a big issue here in Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've got these sprawling cities now that just keep continuing to grow and pull on the resources, and and uh, it affects so much habitat. Yeah. Nobody's going to think about that living in Austin or Houston or Dallas or yeah. San Antonio. I mean, it's just, what are you talking about? You just turn this on and there's your water. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, if we keep going the path we're going now, you know, in 10, 15, 20 years, uh, might turn on and be like, did I forget to pay the bill or what's well, not working? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's kind of kind of like of a Los Angeles situation. I don't think at certain times, I mean, yeah. there, there was a few years ago where there's some areas in central Texas, like, the whole towns were just shut down because um, they couldn't get water. And um, wow. it, I mean, businesses were shut down for like several weeks and wow. until they could figure out how to divert some more water back over to them. And, and um, so there's been, there's been, I'm not say a huge influx, but there's been um, work on um, two or three new reservoirs here that are being constructed mm. um, specifically for water retention. Yeah. Know, being able to help On what Dallas rivers? areas uh, over east of Dallas. So, I mean, you're looking off the Trinity River Basin and stuff. So, huh. um, yeah, that's interesting. It's a double-edged sword, man. Because, like, I mean, with the New Deal and stuff, there's so many dams created. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know this, but you know, the Tennessee River has a lot of tributaries, right? Like the Clinch and 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 uh, the Caney Fork and the Little Tennessee, and the Clinch and the Caney Fork are you know dammed up but they're still have trout and they're like historically like pretty decent trout fisheries and some of them had like musky in them but the little tennessee like you go around to the old timers before the new deal and a lot of them have passed on now but you know like it's passed through generations and the little tennessee used to be like world-class trout fishing like world-class trout fishing like probably from what i hear better than even like the watauga and uh, some of those northern rivers <laughs> in the South Holston. And um, they dammed it up, and there's nothing, you know. So yeah. it's like a double-edged sword of, like, you need the water, obviously, but what's the impact to... Yeah, and it affects down where I'm at so much. Really? In Galveston? Because, I mean, everything that happens in Dallas, you know, we end up on the receiving end down in Houston mm. just because everything flows from the Trinity River down there. Yeah. And uh, if they get a huge influx of rain and we don't, you know, we'll have freshwater inflows into the bays, and and um, you know when you have that for a consistent amount of time, it just disrupts the fishing, disrupts the fish patterns where they're mm-hmm. staying, and 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 it hurts um, hurts the oysters a lot, and really. and and a lot of different things just because the salinity levels can stay so low for so long with that, and um, and then we'll go into drought, you know, and then we'll have high salinities in the bay, which. Um, was probably a key to having the numbers of triple tail we had last summer in the bay, which mm. we don't see a lot of. They um, more more offshore usually. Yeah, I mean they come in the bays, but the numbers that we seen them last year were just blowing my mind. Mm. I mean I've never seen many caught over seventy on my boat last year, <laughs> and um, I'm good to 
catch four or five a year on average. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, maybe I was just looking in the wrong spots, but, um, you know, I've passed by these spots all the time and and you you see one, maybe one a day or something like that and see if you can catch it. But, um, last year we were catching four or five fish off one spot and maybe the next one might catch four or five more. (laughs) Off a single buoy? Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, when me and Jonathan were filming, uh, we were on a, on a spot and, we both hooked up at the same time, and we probably had seven or eight triple tail come up with them, trying to eat the lures out of the fish's <laughs> mouth as we're reeling it in, and uh, it was it was pretty incredible. So, wow. but you know that, that stuff changes every year. So I mean, you never know what the year's going to hold. I'm hoping we get more rain this year. Um, it's looking pretty good now because uh, I've been really worried. A lot of the states down this in um, Texas and Oklahoma and stuff really seen dramatic declines in turkey numbers mm. and um they're supposed to have a decent hunting season this year but um looking at next year i mean just the hatch um from last year just with the drought and everything just probably didn't turn out as good as you would hope so yeah um, yeah you're starting to see uh state regulations change like tennessee went from four turkeys to two turkeys a year yeah um and there was like a big nationwide concern about the amount of turkeys being killed which is interesting because killing a turkey for me is not that easy you know (laughs) they're talking about all these turkeys getting killed Um, i have a hard time killing two (laughs) here you know i've had a hard time killing one the last couple years (laughs) from lack of trying so yeah yeah it's it's interesting i mean i don't the wild turkey is such an interesting kind of uh conservation story and they bounced back you know from almost nothing and now you're starting to see some somewhat of a decline i don't know mm-hmm. if it's because of drought or over hunting or what they like to blame it on like the the turkey reaping um but that only i mean that only works for me like 10 percent of the time yeah they're they're acting like it's magic you know you kill every turkey <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know like oklahoma is like seen like they've really been talking about it a lot and they've actually changed the regulations on that several times it seemed like the last few years but i can't remember if todd told me they've went down to just one turkey really back limit or if it's two but you can't take any more than one in a county mm-hmm. um it was you know some counties were two birds county because the last time i hunted up there i think you could have three total um but only two from certain counties. Like, you couldn't harvest all three in, in your county if it had that. Mm. Um, but I know they've they've changed it again, so I'm not going to lie and say that's what it is, but I think they might have went down to just one bird. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they're doing a lot of research. There's so many so much research going on on, on turkeys because, you know, as uh, Chester, Chester Moore, our friend Chester, he's, his big things, you know, as turkeys go, so does everything else. Like, mm-hmm. You know, they're such a good indicator species for forests and all the different habitats they live in. And if you can keep turkeys there, everything else should be thriving mm. for the most part. Yeah. So. Yeah. We'll see what happens. See yeah. what happens. So hopefully, hopefully um, we'll have a good year this year and uh, we'll see if we can get some kids on their first birds and stuff. I'm doing, great. A, yeah. I'm doing a youth hunt next weekend down oh, in really? far south Texas um, in Brackettville. Um with the Texas Youth Hunting Program, and then uh, mm-hmm. it's kind of a joint hunt with our NWTF chapter that we have mm. in Houston. So I'm excited to 
get to go out and take some of my hunting for the first time next weekend. So. Yeah, that'll be awesome. I uh, I love those youth hunts because they're uh, typically the best week of the year. You yeah. know, like the duck hunts on the last weekend of the season, at least in the south, which is by far the best weekend to hunt. Um, or I guess the the season closes for general, and then mm-hmm. the youth season opens Saturday and Sunday. Um, and man, like when I was a kid, we had people like begging to take us out cause they just wanted to see it. You know, they're like, the birds have finally showed up. Like you guys want to go? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'm the, yes, please. Yeah. I think it's, what's the cutoff now? 16? For, for uh, the youth season? For age? Yeah. Um, I believe it's, I think that's last, so like 17, they 17. gotta, they gotta, um, Maybe it's 18. I can't remember. I know fishing 17 here. Once you turn 17, you got to have a fishing license. I'll mm. double check on that. Um, but most most of the organizations are through 17. It's like mm. the, the youth hunting stuff. So I'm pretty sure it's through 17. Uh, once they turn 18, they, they're Glory considered. Glory days. Adult, yeah. Yeah. So luckily, both my kids seem to love the outdoors and hunting. So Good. I'm going to start taking advantage of taking them on youth weekends. Yeah. Because we have on turkeys here, we have youth weekend week before the opener and the week after it closes oh wow and typically nice. the end of the season is better where i'm where we're at in mm-hmm. my lease um just because everything's bred and the mm. toms are just going nuts and you pattern them pretty good yeah. and they bachelor up yeah like they so, do in tennessee um i know we can't i'm doing that hunt next weekend <coughs> but um we'll probably get get my daughter out this year um once during the season and, and then the, the last weekend of youth season so excited about that so yeah. but uh anything uh anything new on the horizon for uh for waypoint here in the next year that y'all can talk about or oh uh, um we're hiring like crazy yeah. we just hired like two or three new people um and uh anything new um we've got a uh new original series coming out I'm not sure how much I can talk about. Yeah, that, that'll be cool to, yeah. to find out about, though, when it happens. That'd be really cool. Yeah, we're starting to play around with, like, the original podcast, um, you know, original slash exclusive podcast, um, mm-hmm. just kind of shaping out what that looks like, you know, because it's, it's interesting because you can either, like, acquire a podcast that already has a significant amount of downloads, or you can try to grow one, which, mm-hmm. you know, as you know, is very difficult mm-hmm. you know there's like a certain formula or or something and some people are really good at it um which which i'm not you know? yeah. <laughs> otherwise i'd have a really big podcast <laughs> um and i'm focused more on the monetization side but you know in terms of like new developments i mean we just keep on adding producers and sticking to kind of our bread and butter um mm-hmm. with a few like side projects like um you know we've kind of taken the foot off the gas on the courses um, a little bit and put those resources into the podcast network and the linear channel. Um, but you know, in terms of new developments, man, we're just going to, I mean, we, we keep on growing so fast. Like this in 2022, we had about 126 million, uh, monthly viewers on our linear channel. Wow. Um, like as our universe. And so individual mm-hmm. shows were like, you know, getting a, getting a rating portion based off that, like Nielsen. Um, but you know, in terms of new developments, it's just sticking to our bread and butter. Yeah. You know, we've we've kind of had a have a formula that seems to work. Um, there are definitely new challenges that pop up. Like it seems like <clears throat> consumer spending is really down. Um, you know, like Q4, Q1, 
looks like it might be down a little bit Q2. Mm -hmm. Um, Not really sure what that's related to, whether it's the economy, whether it is some sort of political reason or people just don't have as much money as they used to. Um, I'm not really sure, but brands are starting to feel it. Like we're talking to brands and they're like, man, this is like Q1 is like the first quarter we've been down for in, Mm -hmm. you know, five years. So there, there are all those challenges that pop up um, with a company that, you know, does free ad supported television. But, um, you know, that's, uh, that's how we can keep it free. Yeah. No, it's been, it's been really cool to be a part of it, a small part of it and, and, uh, see the success waypoints had and, and, um, you know, and, and look forward to the future with y'all and yeah. what y'all are doing. So, um, you know, I mean, I always tell everybody is like, you can, like, like you were talking about earlier, as far as like finding it on, on these, on these other platforms and stuff, mm-hmm. um, you know, the app and stuff, like, I, I've sent it to so many people, you know, I was like, you need to check this out, you know, it's like, Thank this you. is like right at your fingertips, <laughs> you know, and it's uh, super easy to navigate, that's what I like, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. you can find stuff really easily on there, so. Um, it's only going to get uh, better, our search functionality, uh, just with, like, the hosting provider that we've done, hasn't been the best, like, you have to tap in the exact keyword, and that's certainly getting better, um, on our app, we just released a new version of our app, um, like a 2.0 version, and mm-hmm. that's only going to continue to to get better and better yeah. and better. Awesome, well, cool, man. Well, um, I don't know about you, but uh, I'm really looking forward to the crawfish tonight. Oh yeah, and, yeah. Uh, Do you think um, what's the deal with the spice? Are you going to boil some I in think water for Todd? Going to try to do <laughs> the first batch not spicy at all. Okay, and then the second batch full force. Yeah, you got to so. be careful with that seasoning. Uh, I, I think uh, <laughs> the first Fish Hunt podcast summit, you know, you just put a little seasoning in the water. Um, well, a little. Todd thought it was a lot. Yeah. And uh, and I wanted a little spicier. And I didn't realize the bag was just kind of an open bag. And I just dumped a ridiculous amount of <laughs> seasoning I in remember. It. And I didn't want it to go to waste. So I just kind of brushed it off and... And I was like, well, it's on the shelves. You know, how bad could it be? And yeah, uh, like it's it on your fingers. Bad. So, it's pretty bad. <laughs> yep. But uh, it's good, man. We always have such a great time to sting. So, yeah, yeah, um, I can't wait. But, um, but man, I, th- I really appreciate um, y'all's support and the team at Waypoint for helping us out with this every year and uh, um, hope to continue that relationship. And um, excited to see uh, some of your adventures in this next year and, and to hear Thank about you. the wedding and the. And, uh, all the places y'all are going to get to go on your honeymoon. So, um, yeah, but, uh, yeah, we're excited, man. I mean, we're just excited to get married and be done with the planning. Uh, what they don't tell you about wedding planning is that, you know, you involve two families in planning, which is like very unique. And, and I'm not, I mean, I love, you know, my new family with burgers and my family, obviously, but it's just like more stakeholders, more people involved, and more people that, you know, have opinions. And uh, How's your dad with all this? Is he pretty hands-off or is he just like... He's totally hands-off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he is uh, planning the bachelor party. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, that sounds about right. Yeah. So. <laughs> and uh, the bachelor party is exactly what you expect. Um, we're going to New York City. And oh, wow. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We're, we're going to uh, Haley, Idaho, or, or Driggs, Idaho, and we're going to be fishing the, uh, the Henry's Fork in April. That'll be epic. Um, yeah, it, it apparently is, is really good fishing that time of year. Um, so I'm taking, like, me and, you know, my best ten buds and my dad um, yeah. and maybe my grandfather. 
I'm not too sure. It's like a just really chill. Exactly. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. Sounds like fun, man. Well, I'm happy for you. Wish you the best. And uh, um, I'm hoping we'll probably see each other at ICAST and then hopefully yeah. back here maybe again next year. Absolutely. So, all right, Turner. Good talking to you. Yeah. Man. Great talking so, to you, Derek. Let's go get some mud bugs. Let's do it. All right. <laughs> Later. Later. Offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! Oh! Look at that belly. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. to go with like just full-blown redneck on these fish. This is like high-tech cane pole fishing right here. From the white sandy beaches to the crystal blue waters, enjoy the best fishing Panama City Beach has to offer during Chasing the Sun, Sundays at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.